We're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 4, the book of Nehemiah chapter 4, and I'm going to say that pastor stole my sermon as opposed to me saying I stole his. <laughs> as he was preaching this morning, I'm like, yep, all right, praise God on the same wavelength here. Okay, well, hear it again. Amen. We're going to hear it again. <laughs> so Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah, we're going to read chapter 4, 17 and 18, and 22 through 23. Um, and I want to talk to the people of God. And, and what I mean by that is I want to talk to the born again, the redeemed. And how many know we are not called to be one-dimensional as believers? What I mean by that is we are called to be a dual threat. In other words, amen, we are called to be both workers in the kingdom and also soldiers. That we are called to not only be workers in the kingdom, but also soldiers. And there is a distinction, no matter how slight it may be, but there is a distinction. But we are not called to be one or the other. That every believer in here, you are called to, to be both somebody putting their hand to the plow and also fending off the enemy. And I want to talk about that for a moment, about being a worker and a soldier. And we're going to read our text, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 17. The Bible says this, Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other, hand, uh, with the other held a weapon. Verse 18. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Jump down to verse 22. At the same time, I also said to the people, let each man and his servants stay a night in Jerusalem, that they may be our guard by night and working party by day. And so neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you. I give you all the praise and glory, God, this evening. I pray, help us, God. Let it resonate, Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, help men and women here and let us understand our duality in you. We thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. The duality of Christians tonight. The duality of Christians. Let's first talk about on the wall. In our text, we see that Nehemiah and Israel are building a wall for Jerusalem. Realize that they are not just building for the fun of it, but they are building to restore what was broken, what has been destroyed. Once Nehemiah heard of the condition of Jerusalem, a burden came upon him, and his focused, uh, he focused his heart to bring restoration to his home. Church, can I tell you that as believers, there should be a burden for the broken? That there should be a burden for the displaced. That burden should be so strong that it causes us to put our hands to the work. Can you say amen? So as a church, this is what we are called to do. We are called to go after the ones, amen, who are helpless without Christ, which is everyone. That we are called to go after people, amen, who don't know, people who have been displaced, the backslider. We can put all types of names on them, but the goal is that we go after these people. But it has to be something in your heart. It can't be something that's placed there by a leader. 
It's not something necessarily, amen, that we grab from a box and put it into you and say, here you go. In 30 days, you should, be having, you should have that burden now. But it's all about vision. Can you say amen? It's all about hearing the cry of the lost and seeing the, 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 the life of the lost and going, something inside of me is burning to see them saved. It's our job to establish the worship of God in our city. That there may be a mighty, that they may worship a mighty, the mighty God of heaven. Can you say amen? Who brings healing and deliverance. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. But uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Verse 4, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. How many know that is still the cry today? Is that we are going after it, amen, not because of our wisdom, not because of what we know, but because of the burden. Paul said, I came to establish Jesus and let you build upon that. Much like Nehemiah, he wanted to restore Jerusalem so that they, the worship of God would be restored. If we're going to do that, though, there have to be people who are willing to work. Nehemiah 4 and 6. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Listen to me very carefully. You can listen to all the inspirational speeches you want. You can have it on YouTube playlist. But until your mind becomes a mind to work, it'll only last for so long. How many know what I'm talking about? How many know we've listened to the motivational speeches about going to the gym? Come on, somebody. And we've paid the membership. And we set up the fees. And we got it taken out of our bank account. And every month, what do we say? I got to go to the gym. Because at that point, we were inspired. It was something in us, but it was emotional, but it wasn't in our minds. The Bible tells us that they had a mind to work. There's something in your mind that has to be transformed and be able not only to look at yourself, but to look at others. The kingdom of God needs laborers. Listen to me. I'm all about using your talent. I believe the Bible tells us, use your talent to I believe the Bible tells us, amen, to go out and, 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 and do what we can do as God has blessed us. But listen to me. We need people who are going to labor, man. We need people who are going to put their hands to the plow and do the ugly jobs. Huh? And do the jobs that nobody sees. Nobody sees you follow up. Nobody sees you have fellowship except for the people that are there. You understand what I'm saying? The things that people won't applaud. The things that we don't also automatically get praise for. It is those things that we got to put our hands to the plow and say, God, no matter, what, no matter where you put me, I'm going to do what I can, but I'm going after people. The kingdom of God needs laborers and not seat warmers or just churchgoers. Now, listen to me. Now, I can, already we on a bad foot, right? Because you're like, oh, what you trying to say? Here's what I'm trying to say. The kingdom of God does not need seat warmers. 
or just regular churchgoers. Now, if you come to this church, we are not saying you can no longer come here. No, please come here. We love you. But what we are saying is that after a certain amount of time, it can't be just coming here. That now, just like in human history, you do something, then you got to put your hand to something. When you go to school, you don't just sit there and look. You start doing things. You start learning things. You start getting involved with whatever the class may be. And you progress from there. And so it is in the kingdom of God is that once you come in, you start learning. But you must start progressing and putting yourself in positions to be used. The people had a mind for this. In other words, you have to have a mind to give yourself to the work of God. To the will of God. And let me inject this before I move on. The stronger your salvation is, the stronger our church is. The stronger your personal salvation is, the stronger the church becomes. And so before you can ever go out and build, you first must be built. So please understand that you have to let God deal with you. You have to let God put those things, spiritual things in you. You have to let things happen in your heart. And there has to be a changeover, most definitely. And when that changeover happens, it is now time for you to reciprocate what somebody gave to you. Because I guarantee we can go around the room and see, amen, and hear the testimony. Yeah, this brother had me over. This sister helped me. This brother helped me. And now you must do that for somebody else. Did you notice I said you must? Not that you shh. You know, it'd be nice. You must do it for somebody else. So with that being said, let's look at the people on the wall. We see here a few types of people on the wall working. And it is important to point out here, amen, that everyone was an intricate part in doing the work. Did you hear what I said? That everyone was an, was an intricate part in doing a work. Each position, skill level was important. Also notice here that each person had a job and remained faithful to that job. This is how we should be, amen, when it comes to the kingdom of God. Once you get saved, once you become born again, once God has dealt with you, you are now in the kingdom of God, and now you have a place. There is something you are supposed to do in this church. Because all of us bring something. And please don't relegate it to just preaching. Well, I'm not a preacher. Well, you know, I, you know, I don't do that. What do you do? I can clean real good. Well, bless the Lord. We got plenty of things to clean. You understand what I'm saying? That we don't look at it as what we don't have. When you come to the kingdom of God, you look at it as God, use what I do have. That I'm willing to serve because I have a place. I may not have the talent of such and such, and I may not be able to sound like so-and-so, but we all have a place that are equally important. That these men understood that if I can lay a brick or not, I have a place. And I have to be faithful to it. So understand that each person in here has a purpose. 
And, and I know we hear that in the church where, the, you know, you got purpose, purpose and destiny, purpose, destiny and season, purpose, destiny, season and harvest. And, and, we, and, and I know we can get kind of like, OK, I got purpose. But there is a truth to that, that we do have a purpose. But ultimately, that purpose is supposed to be used, amen, to advance the kingdom. That's what it's supposed to be used for. It's not solely to be used so you can get more money. Huh? It's not solely to be used so that you can just advance at your job. It's not solely to be used so that people look at you as a good person. But it's to be used, amen, to advance the kingdom. And the king of that kingdom. But as we'll see in our text that not only were they building, they realized that though we are building, we also got to fight. Now, now, hear me out now. Though we are building, we also have to fight. Verse 16. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction, while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and war armor, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Verse 17. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction, and with the other hand they held a weapon. So what they understood was we're building the kingdom of God. And so we're doing concerts and we're doing revivals and we're doing crusades and we're going out into the streets and we're street preaching. We are building. Oh, but wait, here comes the devil. Here comes agitations. Here comes frustration. Here comes, amen, various relational issues. And how many know we have to take out our spiritual weapons and fight against those things? That there is a real enemy who does not want you to build both personally and collectively. Do we still believe that? You know, sometimes we don't believe there's a real enemy, huh? Like there's a real enemy out there that wants to crumble this. That wants to crumble what God is doing. That wants to crumble you. That wants to crush you, and you better have your sword on one hip while you're building. See, we read of people who carried materials to the wall, having a brick in one hand and a weapon in the other. These aren't the skilled labor, but people who just want to help and praise God for them. They're just doing what they can. They realize, though, that once I join the building, I'm joining the fight. And church, if you don't hear nothing else I say tonight, once you join the building, you are joining a fight. Yes. You're going to join where there's, yes, going to be expansion and revival, but there's also going to be opposition. And collectively, we have to realize this, and all of us have to have the sword on the hip. See, church, no matter if you are on the cleanup crew, you do nursery, or you just turn on a light before service, you've joined the fight. You, you, you hear what I'm saying? That you have joined into that fight, and it's up to you to fight, if you will, your perimeter. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if you, the wall, I mean, they had a perimeter. And so this person on the far end could not reach the person on the other end. And so they had to, this is my perimeter. This is what I'm going to cover. And then the next person to them covers where they stop and begins another cover. You understand what I'm saying? 
That as a church, we cannot protect against everybody, against everything. So all of us have to take perimeters. That everybody can't follow up on everybody, so I'm at least follow up on these side on these seven. You follow up on the next seven, and you follow up on the next seven, and and so that way we are building a perimeter. You understand what I'm saying? Is that on outreach? I can't outreach to everybody. So you take this section, and I'm going to take this section, and they take this section, and that way we get all the sections. You, 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 get, you get the mindset here is that we're in this together and yes we all can't do everything but everything we can do all of us should do Amen. there are enemies trying to stop the work Nehemiah was no fool I love Nehemiah my son too but I love the book of Nehemiah too this is my favorite book of the Bible because when I, read this, when I read this as a new convert, I'm like, here it is. This man is not dumb. He understands that we need to build, but that doesn't mean we're not going to be fighting against things as we are building. Can I tell you tonight that when you are fighting as you are building, it doesn't mean stop building. It means keep fighting and keep building. That the ministry may get frustrating at times, amen. It may seem like you have no time for yourself. It may seem like you haven't seen your family in 30,000 years. But listen to me, at the end of the day, it will all be worth it because we are building something that's going to expand, that's going to expand past time. Can you imagine all the people that we have witnessed to that will make it to heaven? That goes beyond the slight sacrifices we had to do on earth. And there are times you have to fight for what you are building. Listen to me. This don't come easy, folks. People don't come easy. I don't, I don't understand this mentality now. But they got to say, right, they should be here. Were you? Let me tell you something. They had to find me. I got saved. They had to come over and get me. Like, hey, you coming back? I'm supposed to come back? Oh, okay. You know. I thought it was a one-time deal, you know. Get in there, get saved. All right, cool. They came up, hey, uh, brother. Brother. I ain't. <laughs> they had to work with me. <laughs> Didn't come easy. And the things that are worth fighting for usually aren't easy. How I many know your marriage isn't always easy? But it's worth fighting for. Can you say amen? And these are the things that we must protect. These are the things we're trying to build. Inside the kingdom of God, we are trying to build our, our, you know, the things that God is dealing with us personally about. But that's going to come out collectively. Listen to me. If you have a better marriage, amen, that helps our church collectively. If you have a better salvation, amen, if you have a closer relationship with God, that helps our church collectively. That gives us a stronger shot at defeating enemies. Can you say amen? And this is what the people understood. Brick in one hand, weapon on the other. Not or, either or. Can I ask you a question? Are you building? Are you building? Are, are, you, are you putting your hands to something and building? Not just maintaining. You know, I tell my boys all the time. You know, like, Dad, look what I can do. And I know sometimes it's harsh. I'm like, all right. That ain't it, though. 
I'm not going to tell them, oh, that's great. So they can just stop there. Like, yeah, it's good. But uh, there's room. Like the boys today had the boys over. Now listen, they were playing with pots. Now listen, before you, they're working on something. It's going to be great too. They're working on something for New Year's, but they were playing with pots and pencils. Don't worry about it. When you see it, you're going to love it. Now, they came to me and said, I said, I want to hear it. And they began to play, they began to play, do the little thing. I said, oh, okay. And my son goes, can I get, you record it, can I get it? No, why? You're going to be satisfied with that. No, 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 it needs to be better. You can work on it. You can do things. What I'm trying to say is that these men and women understood that if we're going to build, amen, we can't be satisfied with just getting the wall halfway. That there is still much building to do. There's still much great things to do. And you and I have to understand the same thing. Church, there is still building. There are still people to save. There are still things to be done. There are still cities to be won. So we can't be satisfied where we're at now. That we still have to continuously build. But in that... You will have to fight against your own emotions. More than not, you will fight against yourself more than you'll fight against people. It will be a self-battle. Because how many know our hearts change day by day? One day we love Cheetos, the next day we hate them. How many know what I'm talking about? One day you love the car, new car smell scent, and the next day I don't like it so much. It's, it's getting old. We change on a daily basis, and oftentimes it is yourself, amen, that you will have to bring the sword against. It is yourself, amen, that you'll have to battle against when everything says, don't get up and pray. You're tired. Don't go outreach. You don't feel like it. You did it last week. How many know we have to fight against ourselves more times than not? But this is what it means to be a dual threat, ready to build as God has called us to and ready to fight against whatever God has called us to. <laughs> Being able to put our hands to the work and be a part of God's building, if you will, but also being ready to fight the enemies of the church. Now, when I say enemies, I'm talking spiritual enemies. I'm not talking your neighbor. Amen. I'm not talking to people next to you. Can you say amen? Because some of y'all think people all the time. But what I'm saying is spiritual warfare is alive and well. If you don't believe me, just listen to the radio for 20 minutes and look on TV for 10, and you will find out that there is a spiritual war going on. I was just reading about a church. The church had to become a strip club. Anybody read this? The church in California, they... <laughs> because strip clubs can be open for some reason. But they're trying to shut down the churches. So this pastor goes, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to reclassify, and we're going to classify under a strip club. And this is exactly what they did. They reclassified their building in a strip club, and then the pastor gets up. There's a video of it. He gets up. He takes off his jacket. He takes off his tie. His assistant says, all right, 30 seconds is up. He's like, all right, okay, turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. <laughs> Because they only had to strip for 30 seconds to be classified as a strip club. True story. So don't tell me that there's not a spiritual war. Don't, don't tell me, amen, that you know, no, 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 you're, you're hallucinating. 
No, no, no. There are things out there that are trying to shut down the kingdom, and there have to be people that will stand up and fight against that. But there are spiritual enemies. Ephesians chapter 6 and 11, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Listen to me. We fight through prayer. Can you say amen? We fight through obedience. We fight through understanding and listening to the word of God. We fight through faith. Amen. And this is how we begin to combat the enemy. My question to you is, are you a dual Christian? Are you both building and fighting? Because I've seen some that just build but won't fight. And they end up not building for very long. I want to leave you, amen, with Nehemiah's stance. In chapter 4 of our text, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 22 and 23, the Bible tells us this. And at the same time, I also said to the people, let each man and his servant stay a night in Jerusalem that they may be our guard by night and working party by day. So neither, verse 23, so neither, my, so neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the, men who, uh, nor the men of the guard who follow me took off our clothes except everyone to take them off for washing. And looking at these verses, there are a couple of things that I want to make extremely clear. And these things we must take in to be dual threats, if you will. Because there were always either building or guarding. That's all you see, building or guarding. In other words, they never took a break, number one. Now listen, I'm not saying that you can't have a vacation. I am not saying, amen, that you can't go somewhere and enjoy something for a cup. That's not what I'm talking about when I say they never took a break. What I am saying is that when church was over, they never said, okay, well, I'll be a Christian next Sunday. What I'm saying is that they understood that, you know what, there are no breaks when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to building and fighting. I can't take a break, so I refuse. I'm not going to take my clothes off. I'm not going to get comfortable. I'm not going to take a break because I'm tired or frustrated. I'm still going to put my hand to the plow. I'm still going to work. How many know when we're tired, there's still work that needs to be done? Can you say amen? There are still people that need to be prayed for. There are still people that need to be talked to. There are still things that need to be done in the kingdom, whether we're tired or not. See, just because church is over doesn't make it that you are no longer a worker or a soldier. How many know we are always workers and soldiers? We also see that Nehemiah and his servants never took off their clothes. As I said, in other words, they never got comfortable they never put themselves in a position of being vulnerable. Church, just because we are seeing progress, just because we are seeing people get saved, and listen to me, I understand we should be excited, and we should be hyped up, and we should be glad, and thank God what he is doing. Please don't misunderstand me tonight. But what I am saying is that we can take all that and just live there. We can't just live there because, listen, that would be like us living there after you got saved. You got saved, all right, we're done with outreach. Whoo, we did it. We got you. No, how I many know we kept going? And we kept going. And we kept getting. And God kept moving. And this has to be us, can you say amen? 
is that we cannot get comfortable, but we should always look for ways to get after it even more. Man, quiet. They never took their clothes off. See, there should always be a stirring in our hearts. Now listen, I know we go through low seasons. And I'm not saying I'm, you know, I'm some special guy. We all go through low seasons. We all go through these low places. But how many know there should be this, but the Holy Ghost leaves a remnant. That, that he leaves a, a, a seed in there that begins to get stirred up. And all of a sudden, we start realizing purpose again. We, we start, no, 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 I can't let it go now. And we keep persevering. That's why we can't get comfortable. Let me put it to you like this, and I'm not trying to call out the Bible. I'm just saying in general. If you're at a Bible study, you got 25 people, where's the 26th one? If you got 26, where's number 27? Like that should be the mentality of all of us. Whatever we're doing. What's the next thing I can do? What's the next thing to do? What's the next thing to God? What's the next thing God wants from me? What's the next thing I can put my hand to? What's the next thing God, where God wants me to be? See, we can't be comfortable because we see progress. But we must go after it more and more. You know, I was reading about wolves. I know, you're like, Pastor Brooks, wolves? Yeah, I was reading about wolves. I'm not, I like National Geographic. And I was reading about wolves and, and what... Hunters uh, in a, like Alaska and different places, what they'll do is that they'll cut, a, they'll cut an animal and they'll put the blade inside that animal and let the blood sit on the blade and then they'll leave it out and let it freeze. Well, what these wolves do is they'll come over and when they come over, they'll lick the, the ice because they'll start tasting the blood. And after a while, because their tongue is hot, they start melting the ice and what happens is they start licking the blade. But because they're seeing blood, they get excited and they start looking even more, end up dying. Now, what does that have to do with what you're saying? Okay, what I'm saying is that we shouldn't die. But when we're seeing things happen, it should make us excited. That's what I'm saying. That when we see more of what's happening, if we see more people, wait, wait, we got to go after it even more. Like everything we are, that is happening within our church, within the body, that it should make us more excited, not more comfortable to go after it to see what else is on the horizon, to see what else is out there. How many know when they migrated to the wild, wild west, they didn't stop in Wyoming, but they kept going and said, well, this is here. What else is out there? And how many know we didn't even stop on earth? We went to the moon, and now we're trying to go to Mars. I mean, we're like, what's out there? They didn't get comfortable with just one, and neither should we. Can you say amen? That we should always go, what more is that? What more does God have? And how can I be a part of it? It should be a stirring in your soul when you see things happen. The wall was done in 52 days. It was supernatural. God was involved. But the people came together, and it was there that God met with them and blessed their efforts. Because they were willing to fight, and they were willing to build. And I am encouraging you tonight. Let's be those men and women that are really to, ready to fight and ready to build. That we can see where this thing is going to go. I'm always encouraged by Chandler. 
And you know, I, I wish I could have seen the hot dog stand. I, I, got, I came in too late. But just, I can't imagine. Because I know what a hot dog stand looks like. Like you ever been to Home Depot or Lowe's? That little, I mean, I'm like, that couldn't have been it. Because that thing is tiny. But it's a hot dog stand now. Conference. Conference. How? Supernaturally, Pastor. Absolutely. Absolutely supernatural. But who did God use? The workers and the soldiers. Why can't we be Chandler? You give me one reason why we can't be. And I'll give you three million why we can. Why can't, why can't we have a conference here? Because if we have the same spirit, why can't it happen here? You understand what I'm saying? That, that's what Nehemiah saw. No, no, no. We can restore this. God will help us as long as we put our hand to it. God will do something and watch what happens. And we should have that same attitude here. Can you say amen? I encourage you tonight. Have an attitude of working. Have an attitude of building. Have an attitude ready to fight against whatever you need to fight against to see God get the glory. Can you say amen? Let's bow our heads before the Lord.